one time. It, it, I, I, I heard this joke. America is the greatest country in the world for people who haven't traveled much. Um, yeah, or, I mean, was the, like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, a lot's happened since, <laughs> since we last chatted. I feel like, um, especially in the U.S., though it, it does sound like uh, the president will not die. Um, that's the latest from today's news, or my Twitter updates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, statistically, it's more likely that you don't die. Yeah, that's one. That's one way to spin it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's probably not the healthiest guy in the world, but uh, still, statistically, I mean, not every seventy-five year old. He's pretty dies. energetic for his age. I'd say. I will say. Um, yeah, but you could say it's a risk group with a little bit of excess weight and uh, mm-hmm. age. And, no, for sure. I mean. I think my parents are in the same category, so. Yeah. Um, but we've both been busy. So you've been, you you you've been really busy in in Europe. You're back. Are you? Do you get some? Well, I, I traveled. Doesn't mean I'm busy. Well, okay. Well, you you had some good times <laughs> and travel. Yeah. 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 You, you did some family yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was kind of vacation. Yeah. I I did some family stuff, and then I also had a bunch of meetings and checked on production, yeah. and it was good. And yeah. um, and you took the dog for a walk. <laughs> Yeah, you said you cried. I laughing. saw a picture of you walking the dog, and all I could think is, how, how, who set this picture up? Did he have to pose for this picture? How begrudging was how he to this take this, to let this photo yeah. be taken? <laughs> well, it yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, Christina wanted a dog, and it's making Christina happy. I so. thought, I, yeah, I think it's great. Anyway, regardless, um, how was how was Europe? Was it nice to be back for a little bit? Yeah, it was very, uh, I think it was right. Now they have a second wave and they're a little bit concerned. But before that, it was, you, you're there and you're like, oh, COVID is over. Nobody wears yeah. a mask. Everything's fine. Yeah, we're in our yeah. second wave here in Canada. But actually, I, I, I've been in, in Europe remotely over the last two weeks. Like five minutes before this, I was uh, on a, on a like hosting a festival in Frankfurt. Yeah. You had an opening. I also had an opening last week in Berlin. Actually, I, I say Europe, but it's, it's always exclusively Germany. Nothing else happens in my life other than <laughs> Germany. It's either Germany or Amsterdam. Yeah. Those are the only two places where media art happens anymore. So, uh, Yeah, it's a, uh, countries with too much money. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, don't think it's too much money. I think it's an obsession with, um, like with culture and technology. Like... And especially in Germany, and I think, and and I think the Dutch as well. Like just engineering, and that mixed with cult. They have a fa- there's a fantasy that that is where culture lies. Like in in the at the crux of innovation, and it's not a fantasy. Yeah, no, no. I mean, for us, it's not at all. It's the real and, deal. They're the only countries that it really know. Yeah, that's up. right. No, no. I, I definitely agree. It's not a fantasy. Maybe it's more like th- that. That's the point of view that here in Canada that would be like there would be there's like obviously there are a couple art centers, but generally and we fund actually a whole section of, of, of funding called media art but for the general public and i think that's where the difference is like the general public in germany is like pretty tuned in they're like oh yes of course media art here i would have to like sit down and explain it to someone for like an hour you know for them to get it yeah yeah and and how was the vibe at your opening oh it was amazing i i showed up as a vacuum cleaner Remotely. some of our old friends were there okay. um yeah folks like uh Jonas lund and stuff but other people nice. I've worked with, you know, over the years, it's great when you have an opening um, and friends from, you know, various times in your life show up. It's like almost like a little funeral or something. 
But this was your first remote opening? Um, yeah. Well, no, I've done lots of uh, remote openings. That's the irony of this whole situation is like um, I, I did, I've been doing performances as a remote like kind of being and host, I'm hosting this festival as like a remote like kind of force or or like weird being. And, yeah, yeah. I remember you you did things with like you and an iPad robot yeah. and things so like that. So the vacuum cleaner, yeah. we just attached an iPad to it and actually had two cameras, one so that I could see where it, was it a Roomba, like a self-moving? Roombas aren't really as good as, um, if you really want the advanced stuff now, it comes out of China. So I got a Roborock uh, XS5V Max or something. And it has like stereo cameras, LiDAR, you can like talk with it. Oh, it you cool. can like, you can remote control it. It's going to be funny when, when the US bans Chinese technology and there's still like, Everything looks like a Harley. Well, you Davidson gotta watch out. I mean, 40s. those vacuum cleaners—they could—that uh, could be the next Pearl Harbor. Like all the vacuum cleaners light up. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's gonna be funny if the whole world is in tune with new technology, and the U.S. is just like, yeah, we got this old stuff. It's really good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they're like, we'll just get those uh, Jeff Koons vacuum cleaners out of the casing. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever noticed in the, in New York how loud the trucks? Are? I don't know if that's the same in Canada, but the, I don't know any other part of the world where. <laughs> It's definitely the same here. Or at least we have a lot of dump trucks because there's tons of construction, I think I've said it before. Yeah, but the kind of trucks that in other parts of the world, for some reason, they're like a quarter of the sound and they have the exact same I think result. it's difference in standards, but, right? Like the U.S. is like, no, it's okay. Yeah. I, I don't think it's standards. I think it's like when 50-year-old when guys buy a motorcycle and they're like, no, it has to be Oh, louder. but that's for safety. I, 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 and I, but I do find it obnoxious, but... That's like a whole, there's a whole culture of safety in motorcycles around Harley Davidson's. And the reason they're loud is be, is because it, that, or at least they say loud pipes save lives. Now mm-hmm. I'm watching on Apple TV, there's like a television show with Ewan McGregor. And he decides that he's done this a few times with a friend where he's going to, he's going to ride from the tip of Argentina all the way to LA on motorcycles. But the, he did this a couple of years ago and he chooses to do it on uh, electric Harley Davidsons, <laughs> and yeah. they're like super quiet. But honestly, it is the biggest advertisement against like sustainable energy because the <laughs> the bikes keep breaking down because they're proto they're prototypes, uh, and they can't find anywhere to plug yet. them in, and it's it's just like horrible. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. uh, kind of off track here, off topic, but maybe not because I got us down to South America. We're getting yeah. close to Argentina. Well, I, I do think in Brazil it's. I was paying attention, like really trying to pay attention, and it seems the motors and the fire trucks and the garbage trucks and all this stuff are way more quiet mm. there than in the in New York. There is something different. So the movie we're reviewing this week is um, Baccarat. I'm not sure how it, how it came up in our narrative thread, but it's set in Brazil. But one of the things before we get into the movie, like one... Yeah, I'm not sure how it came up because I think... The natural train of thought with each movie is to then choose the next movie that uh, relates to it and says something in the next argument. But then I tend to answer with movies that I already know. So the reason I chose this movie, because I hadn't seen it and some friends liked it. And I was like, okay, we both haven't seen it. Let's just uh, be surprised. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Kristen so far. It's the best movie we've picked. She says it's uh, the only one she's liked so far. <laughs> so, oh, cool. so in terms of our harshest critic... <laughs> <laughs> Kristen yeah. approves. Uh, what, what, someone called her a wet blanket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I was going to say, like, one of the things that's interesting is it's supposed to be set just a couple years into the future, but 
honestly, I, I've been uh, the last place near uh, Brazil I was in was Belize, which is poor, more poor or has like equally poor areas, I guess. But for some reason, like in this film and when I was in Belize, some of the cars and like the stereo systems and things, they, they seem to exist in this like retro future place, you know, like where LED like television, like jumbotrons are accessible. You can just buy one at the corner store or. Yeah, somehow they're very yeah, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true even in Belize. Like it'd be like, oh yeah, we don't have a roof on our house, but we have like a huge flat screen TV or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and there, yeah. everyone talks about importing electronics from Nicaragua. And you're like, what? Nicaragua? That's not where electronics come from. <laughs> like, so it's like there's almost like an alternate reality. Uh, anyway, it's presented in the film through some of the, like the first scenes are in cars and with trucks and things kind of, to your point about truck noise, that seem like, um, retro, but also somewhat in the future. Like there's that truck that's all, got all the screens on it, and there's one with a huge stereo. Yeah, and yeah. So, so should we break down? Yeah, the plot like I totally just that was like audience? not at all what anyone should take away from the film. No. But it was my way to segue. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can do. You can do the plot. Uh, um, basically, the the plot is about a small town that becomes a victim of a group of hunters that hunt humans. Is that a way to summarize yeah, like, it? Yeah, like game hunters, but they hunt humans as yeah. game. And they're American, and, and you should say, right? I think there there is a tradition of movies of, of, of hunters hunting other humans. I remember there was a movie, I think in the 90s, with Ice-T being hunted. Ice-T specific? I got to look, I gotta look yeah. that up later. It's probably called The Hunt or something. I think Rutger Hauer was hunting him. <laughs> well, and I mean, in any thriller, the, the, the whole premise of a thriller is someone is hunting someone else. Yeah, yeah. But then there is a trope that's not unique to this movie of rich people hunting the underclass, literally hunting them. So like you pay to hunt homeless mm-hmm. people or whatever, and you throw them in the jungle and they can't escape. And Right. It's uh, like Hunger, hunger sort Games of a, kind of situation. Yeah. An extrapolation Predator of class warfare. Kind of mm-hmm. Yeah. So in further detail about this movie, you're, you're introduced, there's a... a a woman who brings medical supplies. She's from the town, but she was somewhere else, and she feels like coming back. Uh, the town is very remote, and seems like they don't have access to water. They don't have access to medicine. Uh, e- so even for Brazil, they're really cut off. Like there's a lot of poor parts in Brazil, but they have running water and they have medicine. But this is really, and but it's also a cute town, and they're having a good time and listening to music. And then slowly, you see signals of these weird drones that look like ufos and you start to see weird you start to slowly notice things and then it just becomes yeah and one of the biggest things to start though like one of the first hints that something's going wrong is that there's a teacher and he's trying to teach the class about where the town is located and he can't find it on any maps any digital maps like so the town's literally been erased yeah. from the gps kind of world of the data yeah and and it's not it's not clearly explained. It's not like the villain says, "Oh, we took them off the map." They kind of hint at it, but it seems that uh, the team of Americans and the German leader they they do this regularly. He wipes cities off the map so nobody asks any questions, and then they just go and have some fun. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's led several of these expeditions before. We should also mention the director is um, Weber Mendoza Fijo and Giuliano Dornells. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. And that this film won a bunch of like Cannes prizes, like ran the, the jury prize at Cannes. 
and the Best yeah. Actor Award, Palme d'Or. So it's pretty highly, like, I think it, it came out of last year's cons. Yeah, and I had no expectations going into the movie. Um, and I think one of the things uh, that's interesting is this, there's the the two teams. There's the, the Brazilian team and the the hunters. The, the and They're all American except the leader. He's German. Yeah, but he's been living in America uh, longer than he ever lived in Germany. Yeah, it's it's Udo Kier. He's kind of a cult hero, and, and I think you know him from a lot of vampire movies. He played in Andy Warhol yeah. movies. Yeah, it uh, has a very iconic face. But I think one of the things to me that was immediately striking is is the the difference in cast. And it seems that the Brazilian cast is much more charismatic, and the American cast, the actors are kind of bland. Mm. And I don't know if that was a shortcoming of a cultural difference or different rates of actors or just access to casting. But it felt like the first part when it was a fully Brazilian movie, you didn't feel like you're looking at a B movie. But then <laughs> when the when the American actors show up, it kind of feels like a student film. I don't know if you felt that way. Yeah, there's a the Americans have a real camp aesthetic. And I didn't know, I thought it was maybe intentional, like, because the movie definitely def- descends into B-movie territory in terms of the violence. Um, yeah, and the special effects. And yeah, with the, U- yeah. the UFO drone and stuff like that. So it kind of, it starts off, you think you're watching like an art house film set in like rural town in Brazil. You're like, great, I'm going to get into some like, you know, Brazilian culture. I'm going to come to understand <laughs> what's going on. And then it, it kind of, it's not that it, it actually does probably bring up. There's some good music being played live and people doing but ultimately, and, Yeah, okay. but ultimately I think it is a reflection more of contemporary Brazilian culture because the film becomes more and more like kind of a political, like kind of a political critique of... Uh, yeah, and, and then the, the, I think the, the, the chain between the village and the hunters is this politician who sells out the village to the hunters you, you find out yeah. later. So he's... Tony. He's, he's really... His name's like Tony or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he he comes into the town with this big megaphone, and and he's all dressed up. Everybody else is an arcade of trucks, and they all have like huge billboards. Yeah, and then he dumps a a huge uh, truckload of books, and he's like, "Look at me, I'm good for the town." Here's a bunch of dump truck full of books. (laughs) Yeah, but meanwhile, the water there's no fresh water to this town that's been cut off, and he's to blame for that. Yeah, and I I can vouch for this film and the narrative that Brazil is really tragic in the sense that. Every 10 years, it seems there's hope. And you're like, yeah, things are getting better. Crime is down. There's a growing middle class. And then for some reason, a new wind goes through the country and everything is set back another 15 years. And you're, you are connected to Brazil. Like you go to Brazil quite often. In so- yeah, my mom is yeah. from there. So you're, you're down there yeah. every couple of years or every year, right? Yeah. I, I, my grandmother passed away, so we haven't been going as much. I think she was someone who was kind of the the magnetic uh, block in the family. Mm-hmm. And, the, and also now that Bolsonaro was elected and, and things are a little weirder now and there's more crime and we, we just, it doesn't sound as fun as it did Now before. these directors, uh, they're like previous film whose name escapes me and I should know it, but uh, but they, 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 they had protested when that film came out that, you know, the previous, um, is it a prime minister or president in Brazil? Sorry, excuse my ignorance. President, yeah, the president yeah. of Brazil and the previous president prior, prior to Bolsonaro was like it was a coup d'etat kind of situation where he was not democratically elected. Um, I don't know. It's it's all crazy because it, it, they were 
corruption scandals at the scale that humanity hasn't seen yet. And then they elect tropical Trump and he's even crazier. And it's just sad. It's sad when you know everyone's really trying to build a good life. And um, Well, I thought we'd end up, yeah, well, that's know. kind of ends up being the crux of the film, though. And, and the crux of my limited experience in South America, like I said, um, like spent some time in Belize. But when I was there, it was interesting because we were staying in a near a small town similar to Baccarat, but on the ocean. And our hosts were American, but we also spent time with the townspeople. And it's very small, like the little villages are all like this size, you know, where there's like a little market and, you know, maybe a, a little church or, you know, something like that. People sell stuff out of their cars. But what came up over and over again, we'd, we'd ask a question like, why is this like this? Or how come you do it this way? And they'd be like, oh, that's because like so-and-so own, you know, controls the all of the import and export of Coca-Cola in this country and Pepsi's not allowed. <laughs> like that. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is very funny, this sort of being half Dutch and half Brazilian. And the Netherlands is this example of... Uh, as far as I know, low corruption and a more egalitarian society. And Brazil is about the most unequal society there is, mm -hmm. I think, re really st statistically. Um, and the weird thing is there is such a special feeling in those small towns. Even though they don't have anything, it's still, uh, it's very different. I think poverty in the U.S., like a poor neighborhood, just feels very depressing but I don't know if you felt that way in Belize, that there's a lot of joy in this small community. Yes. So, like, I think this is the tough thing, right? So, you you know, in this town that I was in, the water levels were rising because of climate change. And so parts of the town were washing away. And the people felt powerless in that. But what they did have control over was their community and coming together and helping one another. And everyone knew each other. And so you do hear about this, like, that America, small town, like small town America feels like that, but I've never felt that small town America the same way I felt it in some of these other places. Like small town America now seems to be more emblematic of like shootings or something. Um, <laughs> but in, yeah. in these places, like at least in the town I was staying, you know, people would fish and then like they might share some of what they caught, you know, like, even though they're selling it to me, they might share it with another family or, you know, you know, what's your name down the streets taking care of the kids here. And like everyone seemed to be related almost in some way too. like, um, yeah. so it was yeah. more of a fam. It's almost like as if a family ran uh, a town versus like um, strangers, you know, and I think in America maybe and in Canada too, there's this individualism that seemed less, I don't know. I, I'm speaking obviously from my position of it's probably making some people cringe. Yeah, but it's, like, it's, um, these these things are so complicated. There's so many variables. But I will say, like, you can you can say that America is very individualistic, but at the same time, it feels in the U.S. you make friends pretty. Quickly. We, and we shouldn't let this descend into though. Although I know our listeners love it, just <laughs> disdain for America. Um, but it, I was going to compare it to like Turkey and and being in Istanbul, like around the time of Gezi Park and the protests there. And a feel, you know, because of Erdogan in, in a similar thing to Bolsonaro and all of these kind of characters, um, these these corrupt politicians who everyone knows is corrupt. And then they go out and vote against these people and they still get elected kind of thing. And I was there at that time and spent time with a lot of locals. And what, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's sad is that they 
you know, we'd have dinner every night or whatever, and they would end up crying and because the country yeah. that they grew up in. Imagine like you, grew, you, you know, you're living in New York actually right now. Yeah, it's a bad lottery. Yeah, you just see the whole yeah. thing because you saw it in a different state, right? And we just assume. So in, in Brazil, they call the, the, the way the government operates Scandinavia, Africa because it has Scandinavian tax levels and then African service levels. It's just uh, no offense to, but you understand. No, I mean the point. I think but, you know, uh, some, some African countries now are, would probably exceed. We should do a whole thing on Africa, but that's for another day. Yeah. Yeah, but but the the, the point is they do pay really high taxes, and there's nothing to mm -hmm. show for it at the end of the day. So, um, it's it's I I feel like about ten years ago, up to the Olympics, it was really optimistic, and people were feeling things were headed in the right direction, and uh, it was. Well, this is definitely like hard podcast to avoid politics because obviously the segue is like a lot of American friends of mine, including my my partner, Kristen, the wet blanket, <laughs> uh, feel like America is, you know, on, we're on the verge of an election in the United States. And that election, you know, the president currently is doing everything in their power to dismiss the results that that will come in. Right. Yeah. yeah and so yeah, saying stuff yeah. like, you know, um, hey, other, you know, people, it's you know, rigged. yeah, it's rigged. It's not going to work if it's votes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have the Supreme Court look at it. And meanwhile, I'm going to like elect, you know, new members of the Supreme Court. And hey, my, you know, all my supporters, they're going to be at the polls, like intimidating you if you don't vote the right way. And hey, like proud boys, like stand by, you know, stand down, but stand by. <laughs> and it, like, but honestly, it's not that uh, different yeah, yeah, from the yeah, plot yeah. of this film. And, no. but then we should get to what happens, it, it, right, in the film. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Um, it I think in general, we like the 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 leadership in the Scandinavian countries and that style of leadership. And so our tribe or people want the U.S. to go in that direction. And what I see in reality is more the U.S. sliding to Brazil. That's always what it reminded mm -hmm. me of. Well, yeah, yeah. because inequality in the, in the United States is comparable in some in some areas, right? No, I don't. Th I, I don't know. I think. Well, it is here. I can say in Canada we have similar issues. So I would say even. No, I I don't think I, I looked up when Black Lives Matter yeah. happened. Uh, a lot of people around the world were sympathetic and protested with it. And I thought, why didn't they protest with the injustices in Brazil? And I looked at statistics of police violence and murders, and it's about ten times higher mm. per person. I was just thinking, like, so I I don't think well, it's. Even I was thinking, in the like, access league. to running water, which is an issue in the film, <clears throat> like clean water. Yeah, yeah. And in the United States, like, I, I was out near the Grand Canyon and in that area of the country, Arizona. A lot of the I, I like I stopped by the side of the road to buy uh, art from some indigenous people there. And I got to talking with a younger person and they mentioned to me that they didn't have power or running water where they lived. And, oh, wow. um, and honestly, they were relatively comfortable with it. They're like, yeah, that's just how it is. Let, you know, it sucks. No one takes care of us, but you know, we're fine. But then, you know, here in Canada, we have the same thing with <clears throat> our reservation system, uh, where a lot of indigenous people are, are without some of these basic needs. And it, it's when you live outside mm. the cities and the film makes a big, a big point of this, right? By saying we're not even yeah, on the map. even in the U.S. there's there's people who still on dial-up internet because they're outside. Yeah, the but in in the film they talk about it as like, oh yeah, well, San Paulo, you know, they they keep referencing the city, right, and then themselves as outside of the city and therefore outside of the realm of yeah, any like yeah, justice yeah. or like, and that and that's where but, it's like but, kind of classically like a Western film, right? Like it's almost this yeah. like this place, small town and no a weird laws, visitor. yeah, weird visitor, like anything can happen, 
So, so if if we if we take the politics aside, and uh, because I do think a lot of times politics in a movie are a plot ne a device and not necessarily a statement. Yeah, but I think so these, these filmmakers if, are if, pretty if, well known. I think they said that this movie was a protest, but anyway. Yeah, but like uh, Bong Joon Ho, the, the the guy who made uh, Parasite. Mm -hmm. That's his name? Yeah. And he made Okja, the, the movie about the meat industry. Yeah. Okay. That I think it was produced for Netflix. Okja. You can watch it on Netflix. Okja, yeah. And I was curious, like, oh, this movie seems really against the meat industry. And then I was curious, is he a vegetarian? And I looked it up, and he's like, yeah, we did research for the movie, and we went to these large-scale slaughterhouses, and it was so awful, and I really became a vegetarian. It was terrible. But then, you know, I was back in Korea, and, you know, the barbecue is so delicious, so what are you going to do? I mean, he's right about Korean barbecue, that's one thing. That's yeah, so, but but I, I'm, I'm suspicious or weary or whatever you want to call it that at this moment, in, in our moment in time, politics is, is very overwhelming and is, is the main barometer for emotions. Mm. And I think filmmakers are basically... Not really directing films; they're directing your emotions. That's what they're doing. They, that's really all they're doing. They're making these instruments that make your heart go up mm -hmm. and down. And so, when you think about fears, like, well, we could show a movie about earthquakes, yeah. but that's not so scary. Let's show a movie about poverty. That's what I'm scary. excited at. Like, because this movie's set in the future, like, what they do about it. So let's just let's imagine, like, yes, they're exposing, it, they're using the politics for attention. There is attention in the world right now too. And then the way the elastic band snaps in this movie is particularly entertaining, right? Like you couldn't, I, I mean, I found it just a really fun movie. So first of all, yeah, they don't explain this to you at first, but then eventually it comes out. All of the villagers, you know, to fight back against these poachers or these hunters, they take psychotropic drugs. <laughs> There's like a little seed <laughs> that I guess grows locally and natively and they all take it. And this gives them the power to like, fight as like a, a warrior kind of arm to lose any, lose any fear. fear. Yeah. To just be like ruthlessly violent. <laughs> and it's pretty awesome because they're suddenly like really confident against you're right. These like campy Americans um, who are like, end up which in a, like in a weird narrative twist, they only use vintage weapons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that was like a twist to say like it's authentic the same way, you know, people who hunt elephants, like, oh, it's not cool to hunt elephants with, like, modern weapons. you got to use, like, a bow and arrow or something. Um, yeah. Or, like, a rifle. Yeah, because then it's totally fair. Yeah, but they use... Anyway, in the movie, they still use machine guns, like, but they're just from, like, World War II or something. It, it's a weird twist. But the locals, I think... Maybe the twist makes sense when you... The locals have a museum in their town. And they kept hinting at this throughout the film because they're like, you know... Yeah, they never show the museum, but they're like, yeah, the, the museum. Yeah, there. have you been to the museum? Like someone would come through town and like, oh, you're here for yeah. the museum. And then eventually you do get to see the museum. And the museum's all about their like previous conquests. And like, it's full of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, you know, this new conquest occurs, they all the locals go in there and they get the weapons out. And then, um, yeah, so they, they, end, they end up assassinating these people. I, I don't want to go into I, too much detail, but there's also like, you know, one of the, you know, the, te the teacher is like a major figure and so is the doctor in this town. And the teacher singles out this one guy who used to be a good writer, but now is like heads the local militia. And <laughs> he is like the head of this like militia. He's, he's a psycho. psycho. Yeah, he's like covered in blood throughout the film. And um, but like the pride of the town as well, like 
But I and he's he's kind of the most charismatic actor. Yeah, his hair. Ch- Do you notice his after hair Udo Kier, at one but, point? Like he he grows this yeah, really long. Yeah, but I, I'm very interested in this idea of charisma, that, like how even Udo Kier or that actor, they're not necessarily handsome or beautiful, but they just capture your attention. Yeah, well, there's something yeah. even even if they're not saying anything, just their facial expression, they they you gravitate towards. Well, this them. is the thing. The main thing for me in this film is I thought. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this is why, you know, this is definitely not why you picked it, but we talked about how all, we keep watching these movies where there's a single hero, right? Like Interstellar last week. Mm-mm. But in this film, they introduce like several heroes and then no one really gets the, to take the hero's role. It's true. actually just the whole community yeah, yeah. that ends up like with lots of different characters in the community. No, no, no one person is the hero in this film, but this one guy he has his heroic moment in the film, like a 10-minute moment. I do think that the mayor is, is the biggest doofus in the film. That's, that's For sure. Clear, but there's no, no hero. No, yeah. there's, like no, there's no protagonist and there's no antagonist. It's almost like there is just a place and this town is a character. That's the way I read it. And then yep. the politician is a character, but it's almost like he's not the character. He's like a caricature of politics. And then the Americans are this absurd caricature of America. And that, that's how, why I was like, it's okay that they're campy. Because I was like, it's yeah. like they're commercial. But I was really struck by how, um, how uncharismatic or unimaginative the acting was of the American actors. <laughs> but it's like, and it's I don't so know if that was intentional. How could it not be? Like, remember they shoot that, those two poor old people, the, the, the two of the hunters are men and women. And then they end up, she's like, do you want to fuck or whatever? And then they have sex and like, yeah, 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 and she exactly. like puts her middle finger up at the drone. He's like, hey, I can see. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so cheesy. Yeah, but even the, the lighting is worse when they're in, in, in. I don't know if you ever noticed. I'm a big fan of the Chappelle show. And a lot of the cast was African-American. And then when they would choose white people in the characters, they were always sort of very bland looking, boring people. And it must have been intentional, the sort of stereotypical just yeah and and the same way here let's just choose some boring frustrated people that uh, uh, their daily lives are boring their own life is boring so they pay to have i i think the way i read it was let's get these really like pathetic like wonder bread characters not even not develop any backstory for them so that we can slaughter them and no one feels bad like but then then udo kia is to me one of the most iconic faces in the history of film like it's really uh, his his eyes, are, his stare, I think, is <laughs> very true. unique. So they did choose a, a very legendary well, actor. He seems to have, role. like, some. there's something more going on there. He's, like, multidimensional in that he shoots his own people. He kind of, like, I don't know, he descends yeah. into darkness. It, I do like that a lot of things in the movie are unexplained. <laughs> even true. The there's end. a lot going on. It's not a thriller. Where it, the, the average thriller is, like, uh, you have Harrison Ford, he has a normal job, and then... His credit card doesn't work. He calls the phone. There's no answer. Everything, his whole life is sabotaged. But there's one person he trusts. And then two-thirds of the movie, it turns out that the one person he trusted is actually the enemy. Totally. Like, the movie starts with this doctor coming to town after being away for, who knows, like 20 years. And they pass, like, a, you know, a scene on the road of, like, an accident with a funeral, with a, sorry, a coffin truck. And you think the movie's going to be all about her. And then she gets to the town. Everyone's like, hey, welcome to the town. And then you don't see her again. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like it's set up like she was going to be the hero of the film. Yeah, and the same with the the guy who drives the water truck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you think, oh, he's the hero. Yeah, Yeah. 
And so I, th- I, I just read that as like, for me, it was really striking versus last week um, that it was like, oh, okay, maybe films don't need to introduce heroes at all. Well, that was my point. And I, I think that's why it's important to look at the non-Western films because uh, there's nothing wrong with the hero narrative. But if, if that's all you watch, then you know any movie you turn on, you know exactly what's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. It yeah. reminded, yeah. At least, at least, you know, a, a, a big budget American film will always have a happy end. So, when you have a a smaller production and maybe a foreign film, then there's a fifty fifty chance that doesn't end well. So at least you can watch the movie and not be certain. Of well, have the you ending. seen the Japanese film Battle Royale? It's like yeah, oh, yeah. Which, there's another which example. Hunger yeah. Games is based on, but actually, like, it's interesting to compare Battle Royale to Hunger Games because. Battle Royale. I never saw well, Battle Royale. Games, has so. no. It's like it's like this film where there's like lots of different characters, and you kind of they just all kill each other without ever getting developed. But in Hunger yeah. Games, they're like, no, we got to make sure that they care about this woman, right? Like, so we're gonna give you the long backstory and then, you know, project that through several sequels. So, uh, I'm assuming Hunger Games is stupid. But what do I? Well, know? Battle Royale is like considered pretty class. I love Battle classic. Royale. Yeah. yeah, we should watch yeah. that sometime. Um, yeah, very violent, but comically so. It's the same. Uh, no, 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 no. I was mixing something mm. up, but yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, the violence in this film, which, which we should address, is absurd to the level in which, like this, like this, like um, alpha male, I guess, hero, like iconic guy that you mentioned, the local militia lead, he. The guy yeah, despite the him being a great writer when he was a kid, according to the teacher. I love that, by the way, the teacher is like this figure, like trusted figure in the community, the teacher and the doctor. We'll talk about them later. But um, yeah, they're very recognizable to me, those figures. Like you always know someone in Brazil. Who's like, well, it's interesting because they represent leadership that actually um, delivers value versus leadership. Yeah, but they're very Brazilian. Like the way they're like the Brazilian intellectuals, it's very recognizable. Ooh. I thought I saw them in contrast to the actual politician who does nothing for these people. These are the people that actually do something yeah. like the doctor. But I think an, an, an intellectual in an American film is always in front of a bookcase and is kind of wealthy and has a. Oh, right. It's the, social, it's the a, socialist intellectual school. versus the like. A, no, I don't think it's socialist. It's more like like. Uh, no, but I. Th- there's there's no system back. No, but now. I see the teacher and the doctor as like the you know in terms of social realism. These are the heroes that are projected, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah like yeah, the person yeah. who like grows the wheat is also a hero. Yeah, um, it's more of a communal hero. But anyway, yeah. what was I going to say? I guess the violence gets to this point where it it goes off the hook absurd. Um, like, I like that scene where they get to the the two old naked people that. Uh, Garden That's what it starts there. off with. So the the hunt is yeah. gonna near the end of the film. The climax is sort of like, or the denouement happens as, like they go into the town to go do the hunt, and they start with this one couple, this old guy in his greenhouse is, you know, kind of watering his plants. And he's completely nude, and like strolls back to his house, and they're like, okay, let's go get him, and then he and they're very, they're very calm. calm, yeah, like yeah, they they don't have a care in the world it seems. And then, like, two seconds later, the hunter, who's this American guy, his head gets completely blown off by a shotgun, but not just, like, <laughs> like literally blown off. It's pretty gory, um, yeah. like, comically yeah. gory. Um, and then, yeah, his partner also gets shot. And the, But they, the, the fact that they get... And, and so, so it goes. goes until their heads all get cut off and then put in front of 
the city hall and then they all take photos with this <laughs> and then the last guy standing they bury in a cage underground and it seems to be that there was some history of this this cage underground he's buried, yeah, he's buried alive, alive. Yeah. Um, and that this is something that they do traditionally um, because they know exactly where it is hidden in the town square so the town has this like violent past violent history that it reconnects with yeah well yeah the the only thing I I think like we think of Brazil and the U.S. having this violent well, past the Revolutionary and, War. I mean, I think that that's where that that's the reference. Yeah, but I think we we sometimes we underplay how violent the history of Europe itself has been up until World War Two. It's just I mean prior to col- or even prior to colonialism. Of war. Like it was just yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. But even after, it's just a lot of war. Yeah, I mean, civilizations built on that that unfortunate. Um, tendency but i think the movie paints it as like these are people who have survived with less like less access to like they've made themselves like you know when you're in these small towns sometimes like i felt this way i'll I'll mention belize again but where you're in a town you're like how does this town exist like what's the local economy you know like if you go to belgium or something say you go to brussels you're like like, what's the business plan (laughs) exactly but you're like all right, guys, yeah, what are we I, selling? If you, if you go to Prague, pitch. like, you know, polite conversation might be like, yeah, what's, uh, what's the Prague economy? Oh, it's apples and potatoes. And, and, the, and now it's actually becoming software or whatever, right? And then, you know, but you would go, sometimes you go to these small towns, you're like, well, what, you know, what's going on here? And it's really hard to pin it down. And it seems to be a little bit of this or that. Like, maybe there's someone, who, like, it's just not, it's not industrial, which, and I bring this up because like the industrial, the idea that, um, space is explained and it's not tourism yeah but like these are all like tropes that we invented for places to exist and i think this argument that like they're not on the yeah map. the only argument you know kevin kelly that guy from wide magazine the futurist mm-hmm. and and i read this text of him and it stuck with me that um we can say that capitalism and, and modern life takes over and forces people to join like the mm-hmm. Borg, like uh, resistance is futile. And he, he, he has this thing about technology, that old technologies or old ways of life don't disappear, but the people who move to modern life is far greater than the people who walk back to the old ways. Um, give, it, it, people are given a choice. And it, it's hard mm-hmm. to say if they're forced or not, but th- there is this maybe a fantasy amongst people who grow up in in uh, the west and like oh wouldn't it be nice to have the simple life and live off the land and all this stuff but very few people actually do and well these people these people in this town don't seem to live off the land either right like they're not they don't no. work during the day seemingly they all have phones and cellular signal seems to be a big deal throughout the film um <laughs> but i was i was yeah. like listening to i was like i'm doing this conference today or festival and one of the panels was like, you know, about the internet actually and its like impact on the climate. The whole the whole festival theme is climate change. Actually, there's a bunch of festivals on right now, all tech and art festivals. They're all about like climate change because it's like undeniable, right? Um, but one person on the panel um, was suggesting, on a panel today, was suggesting that like, actually, you know, that that people should stop using technology cannot possibly be the answer because at this point it's so they're so codependent on it for just existing right it's a, it's like you can't take hot it's like taking away someone's drugs and then they die. or even just taking away food and water because to get a job you need it yeah. to do anything you need it right 
Um, and so it's not like you can't have asymmetrical systems when, you know, because it would be like, you know, these people cannot communicate even with each other in, in that context, right? Yeah. And also one of the things that the way this film was shot seems like would not have been possible 20 years ago. Like they wouldn't have had the money. Um, I think this is an example of a pretty tight budget film mm. that was very successful. And I was everyone's hope with the internet is that it would spur independent filmmaking. And I'm not sure if it has and if in the end distribution is mm. king and it doesn't even matter if you can make your movie cheaply, but... Does this did this movie feel like a B movie to you? Well, I'm just looking at the revenue. The revenue is 3.4 million. I don't know how much it costs to make, but it, it looked like it cost less than a million dollars to make. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. though. Like that's attainable. That's that. It's a lot of money, but it's still like yeah. If you really want to make a movie and you set up a Kickstarter and you have good ideas and you, it's possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like uh, going back to Blair Witch, you know, there, there's this kind of. That's the moment where people were like, okay. But the, yeah, yeah, Blair Witch was like overtly uh, handy, uh, hand shot and etc. This still felt like a no, movie. it did. The quality was was pretty high. Um, yeah, yeah, it it does seem like that could be one of the reasons why we're like apologizing for the campiness. It's just because they couldn't afford the acting or something like that. Yeah, but that's the and that might be because we don't know Portuguese as well, but. It seemed that the scenes with the Brazilians didn't feel campy. Mm -hmm. yeah. This little village, though, apparently has been in a couple other Brazilian films. But most, I heard something that the director said that most people don't get to see rural Brazil. Like it's always, Brazil's always focused on the big cities. Like whenever you see yeah. the news or whenever you see anything about Brazil, it's entirely focused on the cities. And until the last couple of years, obviously, you know, someone mentioned to me last fall, like this time last year, we are all really, really upset because the Brazilian rainforest was was burning down. And we're like, yeah. how can this happen? And actually, no one even understood the local politics of those regions. Right. And but I, 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 I would prefer to um, analyze it as a movie. No, I know. I know. But I think the movie yeah. intersects all of these kind of these perceptions, yeah. right? Because even but the I, Americans I, I coming think in. In movie reality, it's still like if the countryside is under researched and kind of unknown territory that makes it all yeah, exactly. Better, but then it, then you're you're free to fantasize and you're free to do. There's a lot of liberty. Yeah, I there. think that's the whole you know premise of the film is like this is like like you can't make a movie about New York now and just you've never been there and you. Mm -hmm. But it's like Fire Festival, like it to to these Americans anyway. It's like at, <laughs> the greatest movie yeah, they, of all time. They, but the, to these Americans anyway, it's like this town of Baccarat has been like, you know, sold to them as an advertisement. It's like it's not even on the map, right? Like this is a you can yeah, go kill yeah. these people and no one will even know. Um, <laughs> just pay off one It'll politician. Make you really horny. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Was, Did this movie make you feel like visiting Brazil? Um, I definitely want to visit Brazil. I have for a long time, but people keep every time I say that, people are like, no, not now. You got to wait. You got, you know, now's not a good time to go. Like I have a few Brazilian yeah, friends, it's true. and they won't go back. Like uh, you know, especially. Um, well, now in the lockdown, also it's very depressing. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think also because, you know, my friends uh, of that like in in one particular case, they're gay, and they're just like, you don't want to go there because it's not safe. You know, like you might actually. People might target you if you look a certain way, and I was like, "Oh, okay, well, maybe not in Rio." Yeah. Uh, but 
But anyway, I was like, is it that bad? That's crazy. Anyway, uh, I I do. I am a a firm believer, though, and you got to go see things with your own eyes. You got to feel it yourself. Like I remember in Belize, we were were driving and like we were told like, hey, you know, you want to watch out. Like sometimes you don't want to go down certain roads because, you know, there are sometimes people that might want to like, you know, take everything (laughs) from you kind of thing. And we and they're like, and there's only really one road you should be on. You shouldn't be on these other roads. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. And then you get there. And one time we, we took like a wrong left turn and Kristen insists that this wasn't what happened, but I, I made this left turn onto like, and it was the wrong left turn, but it straight ahead of us was like a group of people and they were like on both sides of the road and they had this like huge log. And I was like, this doesn't look good. <laughs> this does not, this does not, does not feel safe. And yeah. it looked like, like a, like a, like a roadblock situation and I was like, nope, just going to turn the other way. But like, yeah, Goodbye. No, thank you. Uh, that does not feel right. In this film, though, I think it's interesting because the Americans come into this town and, and they have like all of the like gusto of like whatever it is. We've got the fucking guns, right? They keep saying it over and over again. And so even as tourists, they're like, we're the dominant kind of force. We're going to come in here, take whatever we want. Yeah. But I don't know what yeah. else to what else came up. Um of interest outside of the politics, to be honest with you. Um, no, no, I, 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 but I, I'm not saying the movie's not political, but I'm interested in there's politics through the news and there's politics in mm-hmm. cinema and how that's different. So mm. that, and also this is speculative in, its, in that it's like a few years in the future, but it's more believable that way because it's really about, you know, corruption in the present kind of thing. Like yeah. you, you don't have to nail down the details, right? Um, yeah. You're like, does that town really exist? Would that really happen? And it all kind of does make sense, though, like at least from my experience, which is, of course, like I said, limited. But um... yeah, there's also the fantasy, which may be true or may not be true, that people on the edge of life, or people who are in danger or who are poor, are more alive. That they've uh, that. I, I'm not saying it's true, but there's this fantasy that if you have a, a normal office job and you're safe and you retire and everything's safe, that somehow you're cut off from life itself. And I think this maybe this film and also the town coming out as the victors sort of plays on that fantasy of like, oh, th- these people take psychedelic drugs and walk around naked. And if someone comes that they don't like them, they just shoot them and have a good time and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that's why I said that I think the interesting tension of this film is if you look at it as a contemporary political, you know, kind of critique is it seems to indicate that we are on the verge of like a major um I don't think it's that it, it my my feeling is more that it makes you feel like they have a better life. Yeah, but like they have a better life because they take, you know, matters into their own hands, but which is uh, No, but it, it it seems like the the Americans that we're visiting are so uncool and so frustrated that you don't want to be mm-hmm. them. No, no, no one wants to be uh, them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then you see the people in the town and they're dancing, they're having fun. The water's cut off, but it seems like they're very joyful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They make, and the, they make, the, the, the rich people are frustrated. Even the, that corrupt politician is totally frustrated. There's no moment of him. No, enjoying. everyone's respected, including like the prostitutes. Like they make music from the sounds of sex. It's like it's, a bit, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot yeah, of fun and, the, the, and like interesting moments. It seems they're all having a good time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I found like we should get into actually the music. And I think there is a danger in that, in, in sort of glorifying poverty and saying like, 
oh, look, these people are actually having a good time. We don't need to take care of them. Well, I don't know if it does that because it you know, definitely indicates that they're, they're pretty pissed off. They're like, they're, 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 they're thirsty. They want water. Like there's some basic stuff that comes up in the film. I, I do think yeah. we should talk about like the aesthetics and the sound. Like, yeah. You mentioned aesthetically it looks like, a, you know, a, a contemporary film, like it was a lot of money. But I think... It also, well, it, it, it definitely feels like a digitally shot film because at times it's it's a, a little bit overexposed. Well, that's what I was about to say. Like, like, is that a digital artifact? Because it, it did seem like there's a lot, it's a lot, it's shot in direct, a lot of direct sunlight, which is, I, I would assume, pretty hard to shoot in. Um, yeah. And it, on location in a real location. Um, there's a lot of night, night, well, night photography as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as I know, digital is less forgiving of when it's overexposed. Like, if there are areas in in the shot that are completely over, too bright, that there's no way of coming back, and the film tends to be more forgiving and has a bigger dynamic range. But um, someone might know better. But that's that's my imp- one of the shortcomings of okay. digital. Um, and then from a sound design standpoint and music standpoint, you mentioned like. Um, a lot of acoustic live. Well, music. yeah, there's this like one guy that like travels around town as well, the you know kind of local town crier, playing guitar, and he like makes up songs about people as they roam around. But I, I was gonna say there's a lot of diegetic like music. So like, the music is rarely like a music track over the film, though there are mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. there is some of that. But there's a lot of like just yeah. the sound of the town or like a guy. Walk- yeah, and there's the sound system guy that walks around with the LED screen and the big sounds. Yeah, and he, exactly. Like there's yeah. this DJ that's like placed in the town. And um, there's a few directors who do this where like the soundtrack is almost composed by someone like a character in the film. And I was reading like even when that character wasn't present, that the soundtrack was like kind of um, presented by this local DJ. Um, which also yeah. seemed incredibly authentic that there's a local DJ. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think one of the things that films can do is they give you a a view into a world that's too dangerous for you to visit. Well, would it be so would it, you know, would it be as, dangerous though? Because they kind of like speculate those. Yeah, but let's say the average Western tourist might be scared to go to a poor community, and so they might go on vacation to a resort. They're like, oh, I don't want any trouble. Let's just be in a mm-hmm. safe environment, and for a lot of people, the cinema is a way to peek into those communities or maybe documentaries. It's a shame, though, that that is an attitude. Just like, because as artists, we're often... F- I know you're a better No, no, person, but you're... But... I mean, here's the thing. Like, typically, we get invited into... Artists get invited into small communities all the time. Like, I've been in residencies and traveled all over the world and, and got, you know, got into weird locales. And it's always the exact opposite. Like, people are extremely yeah. kind yeah. to me, welcoming... And, um, you know, I've rarely, if ever been in danger, I can't think of a single situation outside of that. Like one I mentioned where it wasn't because, uh, I was right. It was cause I didn't have a guide with me. Right. Like, but normally there's someone local that I know in anywhere I go in the world. I think it's similar for you as well. Um, or someone's been like a, you know, kind of assigned to me in some way. Like I can remember going to a small town in the, in, in the, in the sort of back country of the Ukraine and I drove, like eight hours with a guy. But those are your people. Well, the guy spoke no English that I was with, and he drove eight hours yeah. into the darkness. Like there was still like, if something had <laughs> like was wrong or awry, like I don't know, like I don't know how I would have gotten word out. 
There was like definitely no cell signal. We just listened to like trance music on the radio the whole way. And then this was things, yeah. And then things got worse because it was like dark, you know, for a bunch of the trip. Because I arrived in the morning, but it was like such a long trip that eventually it was dark. And then as it got dark, we started picking up strangers by the side of the road, <laughs> like and driving them. And I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And he's like, "I don't understand what you're saying." So, okay, now we're picking up strangers. This is interesting. None of the, you know. And then arriving in a tiny town where there's like no heat on, and I'm, they're like, "Here's your house," and it's like. Okay, how does it work? I was like, we don't know. This is your house, <laughs> you know. Like, um, and then realize, and then you know, like as days go on, you get to know the town, you get to know certain people, and and then you work out from there. But it's, you know, this idea that you would go to Cuba and stay at Club Med seems so like, anytime I hear that, it's so awful because, like, I just described that experience, but I could go on for another hour and a half, two hours about all the little details, yeah. like of every every aspect of that town. And, and one of the funny things is if if you go on this more adventurous way of traveling, you're very grateful when something good happens. And <laughs> yeah. when when you go to Club Met and things are not the way they're supposed to be, you're outraged. Yeah, I guess there's some there's something to it, which is you go in with a certain amount of stress because of the unknown, but I, I'll share an insight with you that came to me from my like product life, but like in in the United States, um companies like Yahoo, Google and um, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, they all have these programs where like um, they for product management, like product management, there's no program in school that you can take. So they train their own product managers and they do it um, in this way. Now, product management, by the way, is one of the most stressful career paths you can choose. I don't I don't like I don't like recommend it to anyone, but it's the people who make all the decisions about the software we use kind of. But they don't really make the decisions. They just like manage the team. And so the way they train these people, though, is that they like they design these rotational programs where they like they are like, here, here's a team and you have to figure out what they're doing and like get them to the next stage. And we're not going to give you any more guidance than that. So you're going to learn on the job by experience. But then the thing that they do is they connect you to other people in the same situation. They create these like cohorts. But when I was interviewing people that had gone through these programs about it, they said it, it's really, really stressful until and every one of the programs has like this thing where they like send you on a social trip abroad and they send them to China or Africa or wherever, somewhere that was unfamiliar to everyone. And as soon as they did that, like the relationships improved, like the learning improved. They were like, because they had to like drop, you know, you have to drop all your baggage and you have to say like, hey, none yeah. of us know anything in this place. And so we have to move from knowing to observing and like the shift from thinking you have to know to learning through listening and observing is such a huge part of how those people come to become successful at their jobs that it's really striking. Like, and, and I think we get that opportunity when we travel to unfamiliar places, but there aren't very many situations that put you, it's like they just drop, you know, you're just dropped into an unfamiliar place. Yeah. I think in modern life you could just drop some people off and take their phones. It's already enough of a shock well i mean that's the assumption we have right we're because we, and we have so many links back like ultimately you know i'm hosting this festival this week and it's funny because i do a morning show and i do an evening show and i started out like scripting everything for the first couple shows and then like this afternoon maybe it was a terrible show but similar to this podcast i, I went and i was like you know what i'm gonna take a nap before the show <laughs> and so is my co-host and we're not gonna stress about it we're just gonna go into the wrap-up show and we're gonna do it based on what we observed throughout the day okay in my opinion, it was a way more successful show because 
we were forced to observe like the guests that we had with us. Yeah, we were forced yeah. to like think and um, like work through the problem collectively together. Like, what do you think? Oh, what about this? Da da da. da right. Um, versus pre-scripting it, where there's no room for error. Everything's yeah. determined. And in a sense, in the movie, the hunters, uh, the Americans, think like, let's cut off their technology, and then we'll be the master. Yeah. yeah. And it was the opposite. It's because they cut off the technology. They couldn't call for help and uh, nobody knew. And it was to their disadvantage. Yeah, they were. And I think the psychotropic drug that these uh, locals take um, ends up being this like hyper, like observational drug. Like they're able to see and feel, like see things, feel confident, shoot guns and aim guns really well. Um, And it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of a a cool premise in that way, I guess. It's like... Traveling, like taking a drug is often said, right? It's like a way of learning or like that's when psychedelics were kind of academic. Remember when they were academic? No, neither of us do because we we weren't alive. But back in the like 60s, 50s, 60s and 70s. But it was a way of reaching like some place of unfamiliar, you know, something unfamiliar was like a. Yeah, it's therapeutic. But it was also like, what might we discover about ourselves if we just let down our guards? So. I guess these people discover, I'm trying to wrap this up in a nice way. <laughs> these people discover that they're well, capable yeah. of great courage and violence. The end. But I am, I am it is interesting, the, the, the thing you described of like, you're a Western tourist and go to the unknown. And, and then these guys, are, they're not tourists, but they're hunters. But they think like, oh, if we take away their technology, then we have the upper hand. Well, because they present the and tourists in the film as these two people from Sao Paulo that like drive, ride in on these like motorbikes and these like um, fluorescent suits, right? Like, and the locals yeah. are like, oh, look at those tourists kind of thing. They're not a threat. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so the tourist is viewed as like this idiot kind of <laughs> character in the, in the film, right? The locals look down on the tourist because the tourist is also coming in and like the way they presented, even though those are Brazilian tourists, right? Remember they come into that shop yeah. and they're like, hey, do you, you know, what is, what's... And they plug some kind of uh, device under the table. Yeah, but I think the conversation is what was kind of more interesting to me. Like they're like, they come in with a certain amount of arrogance, you know, that they know the place. Like, what is this town anyway? Like, what's it named after? A bird? And then the woman's like, it's a bird. And it's like, oh, like a tiny bird. No, actually, it's quite large. You know, like they're wrong about everything that they state. Uh, all yeah. of their assumptions are incorrect. And there's a tension. Yeah, and they don't even, and they keep saying like, are you here to visit the museum? Are you here, here to visit the museum? And then these these people, that no one pays attention to the museum at all. But of course, it's revealed later in the film because one of the hunters goes into the museum that they should have visited the museum all along because it would have, <laughs> all the all answers, the answers that these people were in fact capable of defending themselves they were in fact a threat and and they were not victims yeah. or vulnerable the way they thought they were yeah. anyway I, I think the the good thing about film and art and all these things is that you could take out of it whatever you want and so i will always see it as a cinematic device and not as a mm-hmm. message so uh, it, for me using poverty or climate change or a shark like in jaws they're all just devices to the Wrap the, the emotion. You're just wrapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. I I don't think. Whereas I'm like decoding movie, it, like Da Vinci's I'd, code. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't think this movie was showing us things we didn't know about poverty. So no, I mean like um, the stereotype is a very strong signifier, right? It's like something that people use or the cliche to communicate yeah. 
complex ideas in compact form. It's a short yeah. human sh like. But shortcut. It, it it does go to the question of like, can art reveal things that then motivate people and and cause the 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 zeitgeist to change and all these things because. I know so many people tried to use art to change the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think yeah. these particular filmmakers, like the plot is quite interwoven and complex. And like you said, some things aren't explained, but I think on second viewing, they might be, um, you might you might come to interpret them differently. I actually think the movie is yeah. incredibly coded, probably too much so. I think I even read a review. It was like, this movie like tries to do too much. Um, like it could have mm. been a lot simpler. But you think this might be the movie that starts the revolution? No, I don't think this is. I mean, first of all, no American audience is going to watch a foreign language film. That's like the, un the unfortunate <laughs> truth. But in Brazil, maybe. Yeah, well, Brazil already, I think, you know, as you know, is pretty upset with itself and um, yeah, and wants to get itself out of the situation. But it's like, you know, it's one of those situations where you lose democracy. I don't know how they're going to do it. Um and, and I don't actually, I'm not well informed enough. Maybe we have, well, you're the most informed Brazilian listener slash host. <laughs> but then like, yeah. I should I should reach out to my Brazilian friends and get some more intel. But Yeah, I don't know everything. But uh, I, this is a film review podcast for me. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just, for me... Uh, well, it's a good Western movie or a good thriller. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But, but I think right now, I think filmmakers just want to... They want to find a villain that is really scary. And right now, that's climate change and poverty and class struggle. Those are the scariest things. Yeah, that's true historically. You know, yeah, for, yeah. around the millennium, like maybe it was the Y2K bug and like uh, maybe at some point... The digital... Like di the subway yeah. or yeah. whatever. Digital privacy, that's one yeah. that comes up all the time. <laughs> but you're right, there are historically these like specters that, you know, like the Cold War obviously was the specter of like nuclear war and you know, completely yeah, wiping yeah. out human populations. Yeah, you remember when all the villains in the in the movies were Russians. Oh, the yeah. Russians. Oh, the yeah. scary Russians. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in it but then the interesting critique, Raf, is that the new Russians are the Americans. <laughs> Cause even in Brazil, right? It's like little Trump. Let's yeah. think about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like maybe yeah. if we if we think. go to the, if we go to the, it let's just say like it's the end of America. Sorry, America. Then, like, we'll go to the movies in 10 years. We'll, we'll, we'll be of Amsterdam, which will be bigger than Manhattan by then. And it'll be like, oh, we're going to go see... <laughs> that was we're the We're going to go see the new yeah. James Bond movie, but the villains are all American and James Bond is, like, Chinese or something like that. <laughs> um, and Europe's in the middle just making cheese. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, like, classic. Like, oh, not, yeah. it's nothing to do with us. We didn't start this. <laughs> yeah, just have a drink. Move yeah, along. Have an Aperol spritz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, what what would you like to watch next week? What do you want to? Think I want about to think it? about it. I mean, one one opportunity is Battle Royale. My cat's coming to greet us at the end just to ruin the audio. Um, but yeah, one might one 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 opportunity might be to look at some more films that, and a listener suggested a film as well where it's not about a single hero. I'm really interested in this yeah. idea of like collective. Um, the collective, like as a okay. Well, it, you choose. A, okay. Then, uh, I, I mean, the the listener sent us this uh, documentary called Democracy, and it looked very. He was saying it's it's a movie that is a lot about the collective and collaboration and uh, starting GDPR and fighting for privacy rights. Yeah. But it's also hard to compare because it's not a movie. Hmm. So one one movie uh, that could, uh, it's it's a very political documentary. So yeah. I, 
I, I, I would rather... The other approach I could take... If you're pitting yeah. two... Th- the other approach I could take is just to choose another movie to annoy you. There's a new Miranda July movie, Kajillionaire. Would you like to see that? But actually, I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't mind Miranda okay, July. Okay, it, but it's in theaters, so it might be hard for us to see. Can you... Yeah, no theaters open. Oh, still no theaters. Eh? Okay. Yeah. All right, well... Well, let's, let's uh, text each other okay. and... Uh, there's a new Bill Murray film too, um, or it's, rather, it's a Sofia Coppola film that's coming out on Apple TV, um, starring uh, Bill Murray, father daughter mm. story, which could, could be pretty cool. Um, anyway, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up, so yeah, let me let me give it some thought, see what's going to be out in time. I like I like to go yeah. back. This is a new movie. You don't often shoot like usually you go back forty or fifty years. No, but uh, I think it's nice that we do some new. I movies. mean, the Criterion. This was on Criterion. It is good if it's accessible to our audience, like they can actually get to the film. I think I paid for it and then later realized it was on Criterion. Oh, I forgot I was paying for yeah. Criterion and then watched it. Happened, it. it happened to me twice now with movies that I rented on Amazon that were available for free on Criterion. Well, you're doing a, a favor to uh, both Amazon and maybe the filmmaker. I don't know. Yeah, I know. You know, Uncle Jeff. He needs oh my God! Money. The other thing we have to talk about is we're in the middle of like the Techtober season or whatever. There's so much technology stuff happening. All the new gadgets. All the new gadgets, and but they were kind of iterative. The reason I wanted to bring you, it up, you, you probably like the well, drone the only, camera. No, the re- yeah, that was crazy. The, Amazon has like a new security <laughs> drone in for inside your home. But the reason I wanted to bring yeah, it up is like wrong? they're all producing like basically infomercials. For or like they're doing their own version of cinema because they they can't can't do do live live events. events. Yeah, yeah. and so maybe we should review (laughs) keynote (laughs) presentations. Like Google's is so bad. Like, okay, uh, it would be interesting. (laughs) Well, we should we should do that after the Apple event for the iPhone. Oh yeah, that'll be the big one. The the best produced one. Yes, that one is the most watched. Yes, yes. Well, we at the very least have to talk about it. Watch the Google and the Microsoft and everything. Yeah, Yeah. and then I think pick your Khan Award winner. Keynote, keynote, smackdown. keynote cinematic yeah. smackdown because <laughs> they're all using really i saw the most awkward microsoft one last week where it's like they actually had people walking well, the, the, in the and most out awkward of the one frame of all time. so weird <laughs> but the, the most awkward one of all time was the big bird samsung one i didn't see that that was oh, live really? oh no i don't know i don't think i've seen it you're gonna have to send that generation mobile and it's the cringiest <laughs> keynote of all, all time like they have all these teenagers saying we are mobile <laughs> Oh, what a time to be yeah. alive. This is my favorite time of year. It's like Christmas. Um, and the news yeah. is really boring, actually. Like, there's nothing at all interesting about these announcements, to be honest with you. It's like... Yeah, yeah no, the products are not uh, anything uh, imaginative. We're at this place now where... Um, I guess Amazon is, is the most imaginative. Well, and I can... Yeah, well, let's save this for another episode, because I can tell you why that is from what I know about how they work. But... Um, yeah, they are they are probably the most dangerous company on the planet. Uh, let me just put it that way. Who? Amazon, for sure. Uh, do you mean that they make really bad products so they don't look like a monopoly? Because of the way they develop products, um, they really are willing to take risks in a way that, like, Apple's not. Like, Apple would have focus yeah. grouped it. Amazon would be like, the world is our focus group, for sure. Like, and uh, Well, I, I think all the big companies have to go into a category and be the loser mm-hmm. so they can say like oh we're actually really bad at mobile phones so <laughs> well which amazon did with their fire monopoly. phone was one of the largest disasters in, in technology i think they spent yeah but it's not a disaster if they can keep on delivering all your groceries yeah. well yeah and that's why google would be interesting to discuss too uh, yeah it's like google is like 
yeah, we're big in search, but we're actually not that yeah, big in they, information. They just keep trying. To... They're like, yeah, we got the search thing. Let's like have a hobby where we make phones that no one uses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why Apple made that TV show. Uh, Another thing to do would be to look at movies that have been made on phones, which was, remember, that was like a huge thing a while back. But now yeah. all of these phones yeah. are like 4K. It sh- we should be living in that future, right? I when I bought the iPhone last year, it was Apple TV for free, and I signed up, and then I signed off because it would automatically resubscribe me next year. Sure. So I haven't seen any Apple TV, but I, I follow all the news about it, and like they spent more money than anyone else, and no one watches the shows. And yeah, there's funny. not much. It's very good. There's a couple of good shows. There's that Jason. Uh, is it his name is Momoa or Jason Momoa? That movie. Oh, uh, it's see, a TV show about yeah, blind people. Like, that's yeah. really, it's really offensive. Yeah, don't watch that. <laughs> and it's like each episode is is the budget of a major Hollywood film, and no one yeah. watches it. Steve Jobs would be pretty upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steve Jobs did the Pixar, I guess, and it was I think he had successful. relatively good taste. Well, I mean, I don't. I, I we could do a whole thing on Pixar films. Actually, we've never selected a Pixar movie, and I think every Pixar movie ever made is trash, like utter garbage. And I, I could do a whole break. Oh, you're so I, harsh. I could do... Is it because you're a master of 3D? No, I mean, that's, that's it. They're, so they're good graphics critical. demos. But as far as like actual movie making, they just like, they reinforce really negative stereotypes. The plots are like formulaic. Like, yeah, they're not They're funny. not interesting they're, at all. Yeah. They're just garbage. Like they're like... They're bland. Yeah, they're potato yeah. chips. Like, But they're successful. Yeah. Don't they make more money than live I think it's films? over. The era is over. Yeah, oh, okay. it's done it is funny that uh i mean we're old and uh i like movies but the movie industry now is really small compared to video games yeah that's the other thing like holy moly we're in this like new video game season um you know xbox series x series s and yeah i just never got it you gotta you gotta get into it i mean you can the problem playing a game the problem is it makes zero sense for someone our age because it's like do you have 40 hours of free time (laughs) (laughs) would you would you like a second job yeah but even when i was young i was like this is stupid why do i have to do so much work and not get paid yeah (laughs) well actually i was thinking about playing video games this week and i was like wait a second i could also just like go program something like of my own and be creative Yeah, make your own interactive that's pretty cool that's fun it's like a puzzle anyway we've gone over time but um good pick i enjoyed the film um, okay, well, glad uh, the wet blanket yeah, meant something. Yeah, Kristen loved it, and I, I'm going to call her actually the uh, dry blanket. <laughs> no, that's terrible as well. There is, the what is the opposite blanket, of a yeah. wet blanket? Yeah, maybe it's a warm blanket. A warm okay. blanket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you'll have to get uh, her and Christina are supposed to do a review. They've been talking about this for months. I don't know if we're going to get it. Uh, well, they like I mean, suspense. Yeah, I mean, people are like the listener count. Is climbing. People are rediscovering the podcast. It's the perfect time. We should let them know. Anyway, um, yeah. thank you for listening, everyone. Um, I know we tend to ramble through this, but we're on a journey just like you to try and make sense of uh, this crazy world. Um, yeah. so, Glad yeah. you're listening. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.